Brother Chris just helped me tremendously. I was already planning on saying that it was 1118. And unless I only preach for 12 minutes, Brother Jonathan will not get 30 minutes. And I was already planning on saying that I hope that you all will understand that uh, when we're speaking from the Word of God, there's nothing any more important. And Brother Chris told me just now that, that we have lunch here and there's plenty of time. And I've always felt that way myself. You know, as much as possible, Sunday should be set aside for worship and then fellowship the rest of the day if possible. I believe that would be a very healthy church. That as much as possible to spend Sunday together. I know some have job situations or or other circumstances that would hinder that, but um, when people say things like, well, I don't believe on, in shopping on Sunday, or I don't believe in doing this on Sunday, the rule of thumb that I try to go by is put the kingdom of God first. Amen. If I have to stop and buy some food to bring to church, or I have to stop and get gas, as long as your main focus is getting together with God's people. I believe he's satisfied with what we're doing. I want to speak to you today on a subject that I don't know that I've ever spoken on before. I've preached a lot on the training and discipline of children. And I think that's a very important subject because I see so many situations where parents have very young children, you know, toddlers at church, and if they would just apply some biblical principles, they would not have the problems that they are. But today I want to speak to you on the relationship between parents and their adult children. You know, that's the situation I'm in now. My oldest child is 30, and my youngest of six is 16. And when I talk about the relationship between parents and their adult children, I'm primarily talking about that time period from when they're old enough in their teenage years that you should begin transitioning to giving them respect as adults and not just treating them as children, up to the point that they have their own family. Of course, these principles can apply to any age and in many situations. But I want to begin with this point, and this is, we're going to read from Psalm 144, a couple of verses there. But the first thing I want to emphasize is this. When you're addressing any issue of life, especially family life, don't listen to the world. They don't know what they're talking about. One of the things I noticed when 
my children were small that many of the counselors and the supposed experts of this world would say, well, one of the things that's so important is you never want to spank a child. And yet the Bible says, he that spareth the rod hateth his child. You know, I would, if my children were about to run out into traffic, I would far rather tackle them and injure them than them be, than, than them be killed by a car. In like manner, uh, chastening a small child is not to uh, punish the child, it's not to harm the child, it's not to drive them away. At a very early age, it's simply a matter of cause and effect. You know, when a child is just beginning to walk, they need to know if you do this, something stings. It's as simple as that. You do something you're not supposed to do, there's a negative consequence. And the older they get, the more you're involved in communicating with them about that. But the world has a lot of bad advice. And my question is always this. If spanking a child, and again we're not talking about abuse, we're talking about uh, correction according to Scripture, especially according to the book of Proverbs, I want to ask you this question. Why is it that most people who grew up during the Depression time who almost without exception had parents that applied the rod, why is that such a stable generation? And yet modern, uh, current generations that have been brought up under the idea that you never want to spank your child are so unstable. That's right. Look at the evidence. Uh, and it, it's so untrue that the world says, well, that'll just cause your children to have problems. It'll mess them up if you ever apply the rod. The opposite is true. The opposite is true. That's been my experience. And I encourage you to conduct your own investigation and see what you come up with. Talk to those people that were brought up being disciplined by their parents and compare them to those that weren't corrected and see who is the most stable. I believe you'll make the same conclusion I have. So the first thing to always keep in mind is don't listen to the world. And in Psalm 144, verse 11 and 12, notice the prayer of David. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. I believe when David speaks of the hand of strange children, he's referring to the false teachings of this world. Lord, deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity. The things that 
they say are empty and of no value and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood and the reason I say this can be applied to false teaching is because notice as the sentence continues in verse 12 having said at the beginning of verse 11 rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children he then says in verse 12 that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. This is speaking of sons that are mature beyond their years. The pastor that I grew up under who uh, was what we would call my father in the ministry, the one that I grew up under as a preacher said when he was a small boy you know most people in the south were farmers and most of them had large families and I don't know what age he was but he was uh, too small to use the plow so he said his dad took a saw and sawed off the handles where he could reach and he put him to work and you see I believe that's one of the changes that we've made that hasn't been good is we have not uh, assumed that children can be responsible. One of the things that I've tried to keep in mind is you should give your children responsibilities that, that are somewhat of a challenge. You don't want to put something on them they can't handle, but give them something that is somewhat of a challenge. And it's amazing how that children can be a blessing and not a burden. As a matter of fact, in the, in the days of farming, of family farms, when people had uh, large families, that, that was a great asset to have children that could help. But we want to focus the balance of our time on the relationship between parents and their adult children. Look at Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to give you about four principles that are important with regard to the interactions between parents and their small, I mean, and their adult children. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19 says, uh, now this, this is the relationship between. Uh, the mother and father. If you want to have a good relationship with your children, you first need to have a, relation, a good relationship between father and mother. Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. The Word of God is so accurate and up to date. Number one problem that husbands have with their wives or that they have in the way they interact with their wives is they are bitter against them. Men, including myself, struggle with that. It's so easy for a man to become impatient with his wife. You know, I like to sit down and study people sometimes. People probably study me sometimes. And they probably don't always like what they see. But, you know, just for example, in the grocery store, you'll, you ever seen a man just get aggravated with his wife? Well, just get this one. You know, don't worry so much about which one's the cheapest. We need to go. Just get that. 
Well, I remember when I was harsh toward my wife. And I'm not saying I'm a perfect husband, but I hope I've learned a little. That they are called the weaker vessel. That doesn't mean that they are less intelligent. It doesn't mean necessarily that they're even physically weaker. Generally speaking, God has made the men physically stronger. But you know what that word weaker means? It's like a piece of, of china. It's fragile but valuable. And my job is to honor and protect my wife. And when we're talking about fragile, they, it, God has made us different. The husband is, is, has a, 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 a mindset of providing and leadership. And, and he's, he's not as, generally speaking, not as sensitive in his emotions. But women are made different in that way. They need to feel that they're important, that you care for them, that you cherish them, that you're going to take care of them. Right. That must be observed by your children before you can develop the right kind of relationship with your adult children. Now notice 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Now this would apply to so many relationships. We could say all of our relationships. Notice what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3. In verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind. Now think about this as it pertains to the home, as it pertains to parents and their adult children. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. You know, I remember in elementary school that uh, we were taught to be courteous. If I remember correctly, I think even on our report cards that they, you didn't get an A, B, C, D, or F, but there was some indication there made by the teacher as to how well they thought you were doing in just being courteous. That's such a simple concept. But it's sometimes hard to do, isn't it? Especially in the home. Why is it so hard there? Because you have sinners who are living together all the time. That learn each other's quirks and, and, and the things that they're different about. You learn their habits. Things that frustrate you. Let me just give you an example. I think I've made progress in this area. <laughs> Let me give you a good example. I've got all kind of faults and problems, but one thing my wife does is she doesn't put caps on tight. Now, early on in our marriage, I had, you know, cleaned the kitchen good one day. And that's when they had first started making the orange juice containers in, you know, like the old milk cartons with a cap on the side. And she just, you know, just kind of put it on there and just barely screwed it on. 
I cleaned the kitchen. I was all happy about it. I went to get some orange juice and I said, oh, I need to shake this up. <laughs> and as I shook it up, it went everywhere on the floor. You know how sticky orange juice is. There went my clean mop floor. I got so mad. Well, let me tell you what happened just a few days ago. I was going to take some Advil. Now, you know, a lot of times now they don't have the top that screws on. They have the one, you know, with the little air as you line them up and then you can pop it off and then in like manner you pop it back in. Now, I don't know if she did this, but th this is the same thing I'm talking about as far as I'm concerned, as far as that affects me. Somebody else might have done it, I don't know. But I went to take an Advil and guess what? Somebody had just laid the top back on <laughs> And I went to take one, you know, and I was going, I was going to grab it. You know, I was, I wasn't concerned about grabbing it because the top was on, and the Advil went everywhere. <laughs> but you know, it didn't bother me. I actually laughed about it. You know, it's encouraging to yourself when you say, "Well, maybe I've grown a little bit that it don't make me mad anymore. That it, it was no big deal." But you know, that can become something that because of your reactions can do great harm to the relationship. Can he says here, be you all of one mind, having compassion, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. To be pitiful means to uh, to come down to where they are. To show that you care. You don't feel like you're superior. That you're there to help them. That you want a good relationship with them. That you want to be close. That you welcome their input. And that's something we want to look at uh, next is communication. There's so much in the book of Proverbs about communication, isn't there? I mean, good communication, bad communication, and it applies to all areas of life, but I want you to look at Proverbs chapter uh, 18 and verse 21. Again, I want you to keep in mind the family relationship between parents and their adult children. From, a, from the time they become teenagers until they're about in their early 20s, that's a very critical time, isn't it? But beyond that even, you know, I have adult children that still live at home that are, that are older than that. But especially then, that's a critical time, isn't it? And I'm talking about it's a critical time to develop a close relationship. You've reached the point where you know you're not applying the rod anymore. You're not uh, you're not as assertive, or you don't need to be as assertive as you once were. You're trying now to. It's about the heart relationship, isn't it? It's about wanting to feel close with them. It's no longer about forced compliance. You're, you're past that. It's no longer about 
uh, uh, I'm not saying that uh, there's there's not to be corrective measures and there, there there's not to be consequences when they disobey it you because as long as they're under your roof you they have to submit to your rules but I, I don't need to push that I don't need to take advantage of that what I want to do now is develop a relationship with and I'm so thankful that I feel like I have that with my children. But let me tell you a couple of instances that were a, trans, uh, a transition in my relationship with my children. I remember when, when we lived here the last time, uh, Sarah, Rachel, and Hannah, let's see if I can get this right, that we had three different bedrooms that our children occupied. Sarah had a room by herself, Rachel and Hannah had a room to their self, and Lydia and Chloe had one to their self. And I don't remember which ones it was, but it was probably the three oldest. You know, I overheard, let's say, just a heated discussion. <laughs> and so I always, I was in the habit of inserting myself. And that's right, if your children are small and there's an argument or whatever, you need to involve yourself. But I wasn't realizing that they're growing up. And uh, when, I, when I inserted myself in that, one of them said to me, they said, uh, Dad, is it okay that we, we'll try to work it out by ourselves and if we can't resolve it, we'll come to you. And I immediately thought within myself, that's right. They're not little children anymore. And I don't know if they even realize that, but that, that event was a transition for me. One other thing, I remember one time uh, I had told Rachel one day at the house, this was uh, not too long before she got married, and I told her, I said, Rachel, I want you to wash my car today. You know, I thought she, I had, she hadn't done anything I wanted her to do in a while, so I wanted her to wash my car today. And I could tell that really bothered her. And then she said, well, Dad, I was planning on doing this and this. And, and then I realized, wait a minute, she's an adult. I need to give her notice on things I want her to do. You know, if she was 10 years old, I could just say, Rachel, I want you to wash the car today. There's no discussion about your plans. But you see, if I would have treated her uh, as a child, that would have put, a, that would have put a, a barrier in our relationship. But as soon as I saw her resisting and thought about it, even though I was very strong in my thoughts about it, I realized, no, she's an adult. I don't need to impose that on her. I could ask her, well, when can you wash the car this week? But I don't need to treat her as I did when she was a child. Now notice in uh, Proverbs 18 and verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now think about that in your relationships. What I say, how I say it, can kill or give life. Kill the relationship or give life to the relationship. 
Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 20. And again, I'm, I'm just trying to cover some of the highlights here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 20. A, uh, uh, a wise son, no, that's 15. Chapter 16 and verse 20. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Listen to that. He that handles a matter wisely. You know, at the age my children are, that really applies to me right now. Lord, help me to handle it wisely. Yeah. It's, it's the younger ones are perhaps still in that transition phase where I'm letting them go more and more. Lord, give us wisdom. We need to pray for that. There's principles of wisdom in God's Word, especially in the book of Proverbs, but you also need to pray the Lord will lead your mind. Oh, it's so easy to get off track, but at the same time we have all the answers for family life in God's Word. And then in Proverbs 15 and 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Have you ever argued anybody into being a primitive Baptist? <laughs> I never have. I used to try to win arguments. That doesn't do a thing as far as influencing the other person in a good, positive way. And in the same way, my, if, my, if I don't have my children's respect, then there's very little positive influence I can have in their life. A soft answer turneth away wrath. You study the book of Proverbs sometime and see how it teaches that the person that controls their tongue, and this is also taught in the book of James, as James says, he that can, that can control the tongue, he can control the whole body. In other words, here's, here's, here's an evidence of great Christian maturity if you can control your tongue. A soft answer turneth away wrath. And then in Ephesians 4.32. Now think about this. You know, we like to apply these things to church, but they apply to everyday life. They apply to family life. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Right. You know, whether it's church life, family life, life at the office, whatever, whether it's your life with your enemies, your life with those that intend to do you harm, if you'll just always remember I deserve hell. <laughs> but the Lord had mercy on me and has eternally forgiven me and I will be with Him forever and ever and no matter how many times I mess up, all I need to do is confess and He'll cleanse me. And we're talking not about confession that we might go to heaven, but we're talking about confession in the sense of restoring fellowship. Has he, ever, has he ever said to you, no, you've went too far. 
I've had to forgive you too many times. If it was that way, I would already have given up. If the Lord should mark iniquities, who shall stand? Should we not remember that? He says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Yes. You know, I've been refreshed on this trip being with my children. Amen. And having that relationship as a blessing. Yeah. Right. Not a burden. Right. Right. But that doesn't come without work. And I'm not using myself to build myself up. I'm just saying that that's work. But it's more important than your job. It's yes. more important than your hobbies. It's more important than anything else. Second to serving the Lord, first and foremost. But I tell you, the older you get, the more rewarding it will be. The psalmist said in Psalm 128, when we fathers and husbands are what we ought to be, it concludes by saying you will see your children's children and peace upon Israel. You know what that means? That means you're going to see your children in the church, your grandchildren in the church, the next generation in the church, because you can e either start the chain of, of family life in the church or you can stop it. You ever thought about that? I can keep it going or stop it. But I want to be like, I believe the psalmist said, I want to be able to say, The Lord hath given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. You know, it's almost like a dream. And I, I do want Brother uh, Jonathan to take all the time he needs. Take time, Brother. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, it's so important that you have that, uh, that ongoing relationship. I remember what I was going to say. When I come down here and spend time with Brother Chris, and when I go to Dothan, Alabama, and spend time with Brother Kenneth's father, Elder Clayton Owl, it's almost like this is a dream. Is this really true? Has the Lord blessed me with this heritage? How wonderful it is. Pray that the Lord will help you to have your heritage among those that fear His name.